This is Changing the Rules, a podcast about designing the life you want to live. Hosted by Casey Dempster and Ray Lowe, the luckiest guy in the world. Good morning, everybody. If we sound a little excited today, it's because Ray and I are actually back at Wildfire Studios in Woodbury, New Jersey for our first on-site podcast since this whole bit of nonsense began. And, um, you know, Ray is the luckiest guy in the world, if you were to ask him. And um, <laughs> he's nodding his head. But, um, you know, we, we talk about lucky people. And uh, one of the things we believe about lucky people is that they make their own rules. And uh, when we talk about rules, you know, from the time we're born, people are setting rules for us. It could be parents or teachers or churches or employers, you know, even the the communities and so forth. And for the lo- for the most part, I think rules are meant to protect us and, and to guide us. But uh, sometimes as we get older, they become less relevant to us um, there and they can actually be more restrictive. So the luckiest people in the world recognize this and they start to make their own rules, rules that are meaningful to them, meaningful to their lives. And once they get comfortable with that and they're on top of it, they are free to be themselves. Yes, and I am so excited to be out and about. And the wonderful Taylor scoured the studio for us, so I feel like like safe. I have my own little greeny microphone cover. Okay, it goes home with me. Okay, and wow, I bet I bet our listeners don't have one of those. They probably don't. Okay, so the luckiest guy in the world, the luckiest people in the world, are people that I've been studying for most of my adult life, and I've been looking at them from the standpoint of. these are exciting people to me. You know, they always seem to be doing something that's right. They always seem to be happy. They always seem to have a glow around them. And so when I started studying them, I did it for two reasons. Um, the first one was uh, kind of selfish. Okay, these are the people that I wanted to hang out with. All right. Mm-hmm. The second one was kind of selfish, too. This was the kind of person that I wanted to be. And changing the rules is something that the luckiest people in the world handle really well. It's one of the mindsets that they seem to get control of, and they don't let these darn rules get in the way. They have their own little greeny microphone caps. <laughs> okay, they do whatever it is, you know, to get out in the world and allow them to uh, to get going. And uh, we have a guest we're going to introduce in a couple seconds over here, and uh, she is definitely one of the luckiest people in the world, and she doesn't let anything get in her way. Okay, so, so these mindsets that we're going to talk about today are, number one, when we introduce the Rebecca in a moment, okay, you're going to find out that she's certainly handles changing the rules. Right. She doesn't like get rules getting her way. Right. At or, least, or change upset it. Oh, at least not for long. She also is incredibly creative, and she always, always, always finds a positive solution for everything. Okay? And when you're done, she finds a way to take what she's learned from this thing and weave it into the future. Mm-hmm. So it's not just something that put out a fire. It's something where where she finds that creativity and makes it move forward. Right. So what we're going to do is, uh, well, let me give my definition of luckiest people in the world. Then we're going to take a short break. And then we're going to come back and bring in Rebecca. Okay. okay? So, so 
I've developed this definition of lucky people, mm-hmm. okay? And it's a little different than the definition because I don't think winning the lottery connotes a lucky person. I, I certainly would like to do that, okay? Mm-hmm. But the luck we're talking about is deeper. It's that stuff that, that, you know, just gets into you and it makes life go well. So the luckiest people in the world are those people that personally design their own lives. Mm-hmm. They don't let the rules get in the way. They personally design what they want. And then they take control of their lives and they go out and they live it to the fullest. So that's the definition we're going to use. And Taylor, let's take a short break and we're going to come back and introduce Rebecca Hoffman. You're listening to Changing the Rules with Casey Dempster and Ray Lowe, the luckiest guy in the world. We will be right back with more exciting information. Okay, am I am I you on here? Okay. You are back. You are back. Okay, so um, Rebecca Hoffman is out there somewhere in Chicago area, I think. Okay, <laughs> you know the the the, the rumor hit, has it. Uh, yeah, this is this is like the middle of the country where everything goes right and where lucky people live, right? So <laughs> hi, right. say good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, Ray and Casey. How are you? We're well. Okay, so I am absolutely fascinated. The name of your company is Good Egg Concepts. Yes. Where the heck did that come from? So before there was an internet, there was just life, right? I feel Correct. like uh, it's like a comedy <laughs> bit, right? Before, and then the internet came along, and at some point, uh, I was living in Miami at that time. Some there was an opportunity to create an email handle so that you could correspond with people around the world. Uh-huh. And I said to a friend, "What should my email handle be?" And the person said. You know, you're a good egg. You should be the good egg at blah, blah, blah. And so I did become that, and it was just my email handle. And then it became sort of a moniker. And then as time wore on, my little consulting practice, my, I think at some point uh, I was doing some consulting work, and my uh, accountant said, what is the name of your business? You need to register it. And I said, well, it's Good Egg Concepts, and that's how it started. So when you're driving along the in your cross-country truck outfit, you know, your handle is... <laughs> good egg here right <laughs> that's right if i ever if i ever become like a cross-country hauler that will be absolutely my handle cool cool yep. so i met sure. i met you rebecca long ago i think it was i think we were talking about 2012 2013 yeah. something like yeah. that so it's been a yeah. while yeah. and and i had a very very unique experience after i met you i was introduced to you uh, as a marketing consultant to help me get this whole concept of the luckiest guy in the world moving mm-hmm and you did something that was incredible for me. I have no idea how you did this, but I have to tell you, this has been uh, the, the core of the way I'm running my business. So I told you some stories of my travels. I told you about an airplane in Africa. I told you about penguins in Antarctica. I told you about other things. And you just came back to me and you said, you know, these are great stories, but they're missing the end. Mm-hmm. They're, they're missing, what did you call them, parables? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, that's right. And all of a sudden, these stories are everywhere in my life right now, and, and more are coming online. So, uh, you know, I just have to thank you. <laughs> well, you're most welcome. And I can say that when I met you, I was quite taken with your stories. And as a person who works in marketing and strategic communications and brand building, I'm 
always interested in storytelling because that is really the essence of every good brand or story or position or offering. And so when we met and you told me a few of these stories, they were so unique and different. And your goal in telling them wasn't just to tell them, but to also help people learn from them. It made sense to think of them as parables, as um, teachable moments, mm -hmm. as you know, really great stories that a person won't forget and could easily turn around and tell another person and say, I heard a great story the way people do. Well, they're used in almost every presentation we make. And Casey is helping me write a book. And these are feature components of the book, yep. too. So, yeah, that's uh, great. So, so let's tell some stories, okay? Okay, sure. So, so here you are. You're a businesswoman. You have this marketing practice. You're also a mom. How old are your kids? Right. Uh, they are 10 years old and 13 years old. Oh, boy. Okay. And, <laughs> and we got through last year yeah. uh, sort of together and insane or not yeah. insane. Right. And all of a sudden, uh, not only the rules changed, but life changed. Right. So what happened? How'd you, how did you treat this? Uh, and I'm excited well, to learn about this because you're so creative. Well, so, you know, it's interesting. I'm no different than anyone else. The first reaction was some combination of fear and confusion. What's going on? What are, what's happening? And from a business standpoint, for the first week or two, I think it was mid-March, at least in the Chicago area, when we really knew that we needed to close down and hunker in and just be in our houses. I had had a sense way before that because I kind of followed the news story from January. And so I was somewhat prepared in the home but not emotionally prepared like mm -hmm. everybody else. And so here we were mid-March, the school just closed, and then I found myself standing by a lagoon with my kids on a Friday. The school had shut down, and we brought some snacks to feed the ducks, and I said, I think we're going to be doing this for a while. And we're standing <laughs> outside in fresh air. And, you know, in that moment, I remember thinking, I wonder what this will be like. And so probably the first week or two, all the business people that I work with, all my clients, uh, logically went silent and right. it was like it was like you know when you go outside before a storm and there's no bird song and you know right. Uh -oh. right right no calls no meetings suddenly everything's just shut tight and we you know I, I I said to my husband because I've been working in a private practice of my own devising for years when the market gets rough my business tends to go quiet and I said I think it's going to be really quiet and he said it's okay you know everything comes back and it's fine and so then probably seven to ten days passed and my phone rang and it was one of my clients saying oh we want to work on our website and i said not a bad idea and the next thing you knew we were buying ads everywhere we were writing new copy for the website to explain how they would continue working there were zoom calls suddenly all the clients came back to life right and everybody realized this was the moment to shore up the digital footprint look at the online profiles look at the website look at the social media profiles and contemplate first how they should appear, and to your point, Ray, what stories should we tell? Because now we have a lot of people working from home who have time to read because they're not commuting in their cars. <laughs> and I said to my clients, the whole stable of them, I said, you know, all that time you would have spent commuting between meetings and in-person things, that is your marketing time now. Mm. And so everybody went to work, and my clients really did go to work. And actually, in some respect, I was busier than I'd ever been which is a strange sensation in the middle of this difficult moment where people are really suffering and we don't know the directionality of things and there's real fear. Right. The fear moved the fear moved into more of a let's let's continue to work. Let's find a way. And I think as human beings, we're creative, we're adaptable. 
it's unpleasant to have to pivot like this, but so we did. And that's what we did. We, went, we just continued, and it hasn't stopped. We've been working all the way through on all kinds of creative enterprises related to the telling of why a business matters, why an organization is relevant, how we can connect with the audiences that would care. Now, did all your clients do that? Most, yes. Most, okay. So, well, and I should I should put a little asterisk. The majority of my clients are professional services type organizations like law practices, uh, consulting practices, educational like college prep practices. So I, I am I am working less with organizations that had to shut and couldn't do anything like a hair salon, for right, example. So, right. So. A lot of my clients could continue to work, and there was a perception, especially in the legal community and consumer community, well, the courts are shut, we can't continue. But in fact, the courts moved to Zoom and, um, and conference calls, and in fact, a lot of legal proceedings moved faster and, le and less expensive because the attorneys didn't have to go and sit in the courthouses and file things and bill for that. Right. And things moved quicker. So there right. were some weird efficiencies that started to appear that were almost inadvertent. Right. I, I have a, a friend whose divorce was done on, online. It That's was, correct. Yeah. And so I work with a lot of divorce practices, uh, family law practices, and the divorces were moving very quickly if both parties were willing to do this in a kind of technologically new way. Right. Unfortunately, yeah. they're trapped in the same house. They can't get out, right? Well, not in this <laughs> case, but yeah. In, in some instances, yes. So there were issues of you know concerns for domestic violence and safety, concerns about alcohol and drug abuse. Uh, and I think those are still continuing because things aren't ironed out. We are more relaxed now sociologically. <laughs> but from a professional standpoint through my work, we were able to continue to advertise to people and to let people know that um, these resources are still available. You may not be able to sit together in a room. However, the resources are still available and functioning for consumers. Yeah. Okay. And that was a big message to tell. So it was a giant pivot in March and April. Okay, so which we did not we didn't expect it, right? Right. Yeah, two quick things. So so sure. okay, you got your companies, the companies you work for going. How did it affect you personally? I mean, you know, obviously sure. you probably weren't in the car as much. What what uh, what went on and what happened in your family here? So, you know, professionally, I wasn't in the car, that's true. And then I had to sort of find my footing. I'm very fortunate to have a house where everyone could work. The kids had their digital school. My husband was now working from home instead of at his corporate headquarters where he normally would be, or traveling. And suddenly our home felt like a small office and we had to load in some additional supplies like paper and toner and you know, really like a, like a little tiny office building. So. Personally, it was very interesting that everyone had to find their footing and, and everyone did. So in, our, in my particular family, we all worked and we continue to work. Um, and it's been okay, uh, maybe better than okay. I don't, I don't know if it was okay. You were whining on the phone the other day that you couldn't go to museums. <laughs> that's true. And that's a good reminder. So, you know, I do think about those things, Ray. Like, what are, and I, my friends and I discuss this. Like, what are the things you miss the most? And I thought at first when all this happened, I would miss the restaurants, I would miss all of the stuff that was our normal life. And in fact, we shed our personal schedule, largely all the activities the kids would have been doing, gone. Uh, all the places we might have gone to, gone. But the thing that still remained that I missed the most were the sort of cultural interactions, the human moments in museums. I'm one of those people who visits museums whenever I can. Um, I and it can be indoor or outdoor, but I think those are still missing in our life. And 
that, that you can't replace those human moments walking through sculpture gardens, walking through galleries, contemplating um, the creative output of other people when it's all digital. Maybe you can look online. It's not the same experience. Exactly. So that, that's been a loss. And, uh, and feeding the ducks didn't quite do it, huh? <laughs> no, but you know, feeding the ducks was oddly pleasurable and became something that we looked to do. Right. I'm Man, sure I the ducks a, were very happy. Very pleased with the experience completely and all the stale snacks that I brought out from my okay. pantry. Well, it cleans out the pantry. So so it's how, it. how are you yes. going to take this going forward? I mean, we all kind of learned a lesson from this. Right. Uh, but what did you learn that you're going to take forward when, I'm not going to say we return to normal because I hate that word. It's the new, <laughs> better, right. the new better environment we're going to be in right. after this is right. over with. That's correct. And I think that one of the things I know as a person who works in the creative space is... And I would tell this to my clients, and it applies to us personally, which is uh, life is dynamic. Um, things are a work in progress at all times. And that um, iterations of experiences and things and moments are something we should look forward to. So, right. So it's not like, hey, when we return back to normal, things will be okay again, right? It's more that uh, when we emerge from this moment that we're in, and who knows how long this lasts, right? It's months, weeks, I, who knows? Right. Uh, but when we emerge from this, and we will, uh, what will we be like? And that will be our next version. So like, you know, computer programmers call it version 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. And I actually work with my clients frequently to say, your business marketing should be version X.0 that you're at. And that's where you are. And you must sort of accept where you are. So if you had a business and you had marketing and then it shifted, you're now in version 2.0. And if after all of this happens, you go on and shift things again, you're in version 3.0. So we personally, as a society, are going to version X.0 of whatever world we live in. And ideally, the world that we live in is the one that we try to make as nice as we can. And, and that, you know, that yeah. to me seems like a critical um, action to take both personally and professionally. Well, cool. Well, we're unfortunately we're at the end of our time already. So, you know, uh, thank thank you for being with us. And Rebecca is certainly one of the luckiest people in the world. I would agree. And, I feel fortunate. And, and yes. uh, we're going to see you writing for Saturday Night Live one of these days soon. I know. One of these days. Okay. I think that will happen, Ray. And then I'll have you in the audience with Casey. Perfect. Cool. Best boosters. So, so Taylor, let's take a quick back and a quick break, and we'll come back with our closing remarks. You're listening to Changing the Rules with Casey Dempster and Ray Lowe, the luckiest guy in the world. We will be right back with more exciting information. And here we are back again to, to get ready to say goodbye. But I wanted to, to touch back to something that uh, Ray was talking about before we brought Rebecca on. And he was, he was talking about the luckiest people in the world and, and his definition of luck. And, um, you know... It, it, you would be tempted to say that somebody who won the lottery was lucky, but um, the definitions in the in the um, dictionary kind of center on that. That luck, when we say somebody is lucky, we're referring to something that happened to them that they didn't have, that came out of the blue, that they didn't have anything to do with. And and what we're trying to say is that we don't necessarily ascribe to that definition. Um, in fact, I was uh, at a meeting many, many years ago, and somebody said that luck is a combination of preparation and opportunity. And that makes much more sense to me. And so people who win the lottery do do some 
preparation. They go buy the ticket. Somebody who doesn't buy a lottery ticket doesn't win the lottery. So, so that's our definition of lucky people. And sometimes lucky people um, get hit by life events that derail them, like we just did with this um, pandemic. And uh, but the, the the lucky people, um, as as Ray said, they uh, they find a way to adapt to the changes, they find a positive solution in that ad- adaptation, and then they make it into, they, they filter it into their plan. So going forward, as Rebecca was saying, we're not going to go back to the way things were. We're going to go back to adaptation 2.0. Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. So, so in closing here, we have a brand new website. Okay. Yes. Yeah. www and either the luckiest guy in the world or the luckiest people in the world, whichever you choose. And if you want to hang out to some extent with people like Rebecca, you got to join us on the website. You got to join our luckiest people in the world community, and you got to continue to listen to our podcast. And we will be back next week with an exciting new guest. Very interesting story. Yes. So join us next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Changing the Rules, a podcast designed to help you live your life the way you want and give you what you need to make it happen. Join us in two weeks for our next exciting topic on Changing the Rules with Casey Dempster and Ray Lowe, the luckiest guy in the world.